Welcome to day 268 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul, here with Cindy and Matt as we continue in our third season together, the story of the prophets. So we pointed out before, the prophets are the wonderful bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Even though uh, the prophets have the unenviable task of revealing God's judgment, they also reveal the hope uh, that resides on the other side of exile and on the other side of judgment and the hope of renewal and how God will intervene in a people who cannot keep the law and cannot you know, follow him in righteousness in order to restore them to a relationship to himself. As we continue through Ezekiel, we are in a you know, part of a Ezekiel that is very common to the prophets, the pronouncement of God's you know, just judgment on the people. You see his holy character at display, and this is the way that God has revealed himself you know, to us from the very beginning as one who is gracious and passionate, slow to anger and abounding in faithfulness, yet he will not leave you know, the guilty unpunished. Because of who he is, he must act decisively against sin and rebellion, and the sin and rebellion you know, of God's people has reached the very peak that the peoples before them who were expelled from the land because of the vileness of their conduct and their idolatry uh, Israel's has reached the same pitch and the same level. And so now God is acting against his own people who he has graciously brought into the land. So we pick up, you know, with uh, Ezekiel uh, chapter 14 and verse 12. Uh, before we do, as we always do, we offer ourselves in the moment uh, to the Lord. We want to hear from the Lord. We want to see the Lord. We want to have our affections turned toward the Lord. We want to be aware of our own sin, our own idolatries, and we want to be quick to repent and desire the good gifts God has given us in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for the beauty of your word. There are words in your word that are hard to read and hard for us you know, to even look upon. But we thank you that you are a righteous God, and we thank you that Far from simply being a God of judgment, you are a God who offers mercy and grace to all who would call upon you. And so as we read these words, we are thankful for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we have escaped judgment through him. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Ezekiel 14, verse 12. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, if a country sins against me by being unfaithful, and I stretch out my hand against it, to cut off its food supply and send famine upon it and kill its people and their animals. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they could save only themselves by their righteousness, declares the sovereign Lord. Or if I send wild beasts through that country and they leave it childless and it becomes desolate so that no one can pass through it because of the beast, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, even if these three men were in it, they could not save their own sons or daughters. They alone would be saved but the land would be desolate. Or if I bring a sword against the country and say, let the sword pass throughout the land and I will kill its people and their animals, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, even if these three men were in it, they could not save their own sons and daughters. They alone would be saved. Or if I send a plague into that land and pour out my wrath on it through bloodshed, killing its people and their animals, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they could save neither son nor daughter. They could save only themselves by their righteousness. 
For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, How much worse will it be when I send against Jerusalem my four dreadful judgments, sword and famine and wild beast and plague, to kill its men and their animals? Yet there will be some survivors, sons and daughters, who will be brought out of it. They will come to you, and when you see their conduct and their actions, you'll be consoled regarding the disaster I brought on Jerusalem, every disaster I brought on it. You'll be consoled when you see their conduct and their actions, for you'll know that what I have done, nothing that I've done nothing in it without cause, declares the Sovereign Lord. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. How's the wood of a vine different from that of the branch of any other tree in the forest? Is wood ever taken from it to make anything useful? Do they make pegs from it to hang things on it? And after it is thrown into the fire, is filled and the fire burns both ends and chars the middle, is it then useful for anything? If it was not useful for anything when it was hull, how much less can it be made into something useful when the fire has burned it and it is charred? Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, as I have given the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest as fuel for the fire, so I'll treat the people living in Jerusalem. I will set my face against them. Although they have come out of the fire, the fire will yet consume them. And when I set my face against them, you will know that I am the Lord. I'll make the land desolate because they have been unfaithful, declares the Sovereign Lord. It's quite an image. Uh, Israel was you know, often referred to as, as, as the vine of the Lord's vineyard. And of course, you have that same image whenever Jesus speaks of being the true vine. Mm-hmm. And of course, one of the you know, things that, you know, that uh, about you know, the, the wood of a vine is it's nothing you could turn into a table or to a chair or to any kind of furniture. Matter of fact, you know, God says you can't even really make a peg out of it. <laughs> and it's even peg. worse when it's already gone through the fire. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the only use really is to kind of kindle a fire and to start a fire. And if you pick a charred limb out of it, it's even you know, less useless. And here is, you know, the picture of God's judgment, his final judgment on his people. And we're reminded even in Jesus, you know, story of the vine and branches that some branches are picked up and, and thrown into the fire because mm-hmm. of their uh, refusal to bear fruit and, and, and to mm-hmm. be, you know, part of it. So we have you know, three famous men. We have Daniel and Job mm-hmm. and, and Noah, you know, known, known for their righteousness. And, uh, of course, God says, even if these three men were present in this city, their righteousness would save them, but it would not save the city. It would not save their sons and daughters, nor would it save a single son and any single, you know, daughter. Uh, and this is a place where judge, you know, God's judgment has come, where it's determined, where it's set in motion, and uh, where Israel will soon experience even a further act of judgment. They've already been taken into exile. There will be further exile and destruction of the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that leads us to even think about how inescapable God's judgment is on his people here. You know, especially in light of you get Abraham interceding for the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, you know, when he's interceding for them, he's asking, you know, if there's this many righteous and this many righteous and this many, you know, will he do it? And the Lord's like, well, yeah, even if there's 10 righteous, you know, I will not destroy the city. But here, mm-hmm. you know, you have the the judgment of God is so certain to, to land on the city that not even the righteousness of, of some of these guys we would look at and say, man, they were, you know, paradigmatic when it comes to the righteousness of, you know, what it looks like to, to live by faith, you know, and to live with righteous lives. God says it, it, you won't even escape, you know, if you had, you know, because they're in your midst, judgment's coming. You no, know, and, and in some ways God's uh, judgment against uh 
you know, Jerusalem is more sure than his judgment against Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, for the sake of 10, I would spare it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God is saying, for the sake of three, not just righteous men, but really righteous mm-hmm. men, I wouldn't even spare, you know, Jerusalem. Interesting enough, Daniel would have been a contemporary of Ezekiel. You know, both of them would have been taken into exile at the same time. And already you would have had some of you know the famous passages in Daniel where he's taken a strong stand against idolatry in a foreign land, which was even more difficult than taking a stand against idolatry in, in Jerusalem. And already his story is inspiring, you know, the people, and already he's known for his righteousness. And of course, in both Noah's case and Job's case, uh, they're described as righteous men. In Noah's case, unfortunately, we see him fall just the way Israel, you know, has fallen. But you know, God is saying, mm-hmm. you know, the judgment is sure. And these three men could save themselves because of their righteousness. God is able to preserve the righteous, uh, but they could not have a larger impact on the city or even their families. Mm-hmm. Well, you see how God has talked about if a country does such and such, I will bring this on, and He's kind of broken broken it down to those um, those four. I don't know, judgments, but he is kind of saying that Jerusalem will actually receive all four um, in judgment. But what I love is in 25, is it 25, 23, you will be consoled when you see their conduct and their actions for you know, for you will know that I have done nothing or I have done nothing in it without cause, declares the sovereign Lord. So it's just a reminder that God is not a God who is just you know, grumpy, you know, just kind of <laughs> like, you know, having a bad day and it's just going to set somebody in their place, but that God has purpose behind, you know, his punishment and his, his righteousness and the way he acts. I mean, he's doing it very purposefully. And while we don't understand it, we can be consoled well, by God that. Is, you know, God is not arbitrary. Right. You know, the way that foreign deities are, you can be capricious and, you know, in their favor and capricious also in, the, in, the, in their uh, in their disfavor. You know, he's a God who is acting you know, righteously because mm-hmm. of his holy character. He he must you know, punish sin. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, we will look at a situation and say, this really doesn't deserve judgment. And, and what he's talking about here is it, it almost feels, you know, that you know, God's judgment ought to be complete because the people have been brought into exile. Um, but uh, you know, Ezekiel's telling them now there, there's still more judgment. They've been brought out of the fire, and they'll go back through the fire again. And he said in you know chapter 15, and eventually Nebuchadnezzar will surround the city, and he'll burn the city to the ground and the temple to the ground, and not leave one stone left on top of another. And as he moves the people out, and whenever the people come, you're going to see the hardness of their heart, and in the hardness of your heart, you'll know that I've been right when I judge. So it's a strange kind of consolation. You will know that I am God and that uh, these people are deserving of my judgment as surely as the people I cast out before them were Mm -hmm. deserving of my judgment. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, you hear these things. You hear, you know, famine and beast and sword and plague. Mm -hmm. These are ways back in Deuteronomy, you know, that, uh, you know, that Mm -hmm. uh, God said, I will judge you if you, you know, if you are unfaithful to me in these ways. And any one of these ways would have been devastating, but all four of these and it's just kind of another one of those numbers of completion. All of these will, you know, capture you and overtake you. I'm not, you know, sure exactly how 
much. Each one of these penetrated Jerusalem, but what he's saying, you will see the fullness of the judgments that I promised, you know, for covenant unfaithfulness, you know, coming, you know, back, you know, back to you. So now we see God being uh, faithful to judgment, and he's mm -hmm. also faithful in mercy. Mm -hmm. Cindy, do you mind closing us with a word of prayer? No, I'll certainly pray. Father, these are strong words and they're hard to hear because we know, Father, that we have been unfaithful people. And Father, that we are deserving of judgment. But yet, Lord, we thank you that there was one who um, was willing to step into this gap, Father, um, to fill the chasm that distanced us from you because of our sin. And because of that, Lord, he has declared us um, clean and righteous and not guilty. So, Father, may this fall deeply on our hearts as well as we understand that we are deserving, so deserving, Father, of judgment. And yet, because of Christ, um, we do not have to stand in that fear. May our hearts reflect that kind of thankfulness and uh, appreciation and just love for you because of that. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs>